familiar passage of scripture, Ecclesiastics, the third chapter. And uh, I'm just going to begin reading at verse number one. I hope you have your Bibles. Amen. We're going to begin reading at verse number one through verse eight. Very familiar passage of scripture. Verse number one, to everything there is a season and a time to every purpose under the heaven, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to pluck up that which is planted, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to break down and a time to build up a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn, a time to dance, a time to cast away stones, and a time to gather stones together, a time to embrace, and a time to refrain from embracing, a time to get, and a time to lose, a time to keep, and a time to cast away, a time to rend, and a time to sow, a time to keep silent, and a time to speak. Verse number eight, a time to love, and a time to hate, a time of war, and a time of peace. I want to talk to you all just briefly today from the subject matter, adjusting to the changing seasons of life, adjusting to the changing seasons of life. Probably about a month ago, Pastor spoke from the subject matter, change is coming, change is coming. And we got excited because every time we hear a prophetic word in regards to change, we always expect things to change for the better. And you all know whether you believe it or not, or whether or not you've been convinced of it or not, we are living in a life of change right now. All of our lives have been changed in one way or the other. And if we're planning on making it, uh, I just have to tell you, we're gonna have to we're gonna have to learn how to adjust to the change, the changing seasons of our lives. And from this passage in Ecclesiastics, we learn that everything changes in this life. Uh, this chapter begins by declaring that everything has its time. And so therefore, we understand that change comes and we must adjust to the ever-changing seasons of our lives. And we can do this graciously with great gain as we look to our Heavenly Father for aid and guidance. I need you to know that in the midst of change, we're not out here all by ourselves. Don't get frustrated. Don't get upset. We're not out here all by ourselves. The theme of the book of Ecclesiastic teaches that all of human existence when lived apart from God, is frustrating and unsatisfactory. All of the pleasures and the material things of life, when sought for their own sake, bring nothing but unhappiness and a sense of futility. The primary aim of the author is to show from personal experience that all earthly goals and blessings when pursued as an end in themselves, lead to dissatisfaction and emptiness. 
The highest good in life lies in reverencing and obeying God and enjoying life while we can. I want to encourage you all, enjoy life while you can. Uh, in the midst of what we're going through, learn how to enjoy life. In everything, give thanks. This is the will of God concerning you through Christ Jesus, our Lord. Start enjoying life right where you're at. And so the author was a man of faith. He was skeptical only of human wisdom and endeavor, especially in trying to answer life's questions without godly wisdom. And while much of the book speaks to the negative side of life, that is life apart from God, we find in chapter three a great truth about the reality of life, and that is everything changes. You'd be surprised at how many people not living in the real world. <laughs> I need to tell you, if you haven't seen change by now, I don't know what planet you're on <laughs> because everything changes. And so as the seasons of nature change, so do the season of our lives. And we must prepare and adjust to these seasons just as we prepare and adjust to the seasons of nature. And we can do that only in knowing God and his truth. Just for a few moments, let's focus on the truth found here in our text today. The first thing we must understand is simply this. We must know that the seasons of life bring change and purpose to us in God's grand scheme of things. Let me say that again. We must know that the seasons of life bring change and purpose to us in God's grand scheme of things. Because all of life, including the human activity, is part of a determined cycle of life. The author gives us 14 contrasting illustrations. And these illustrations cover just about every aspect of man's life and show that the will of God is predominant. Notice, if you will, what the writer lists first. He says that it's a time to be born. Everything that comes after birth is what we experience in the events of life. And so the next 13 statements cover what is between birth and death. When you read the text, you notice he says, born, die, plant, harvest, kill, heal, break, down, build up, weep, laugh, mourn, dance, cast away, gather, embrace, refrain from embracing, get, lose. Keep, give, rend, sow, silence, speak, love, hate, war, peace. These 13 statements cover what is between birth and death. So he says that to everything, there is a season. We all experience the seasons of life or the changes that occur in their own time, whether we enjoy them or not. We love some of the changes and let's admit it, we dread other changes. We love the season of laughter or times of joy. But on the other hand, we do not enjoy the seasons of weeping. Yet God has something good 
to teach every one of us in all the seasons of life that we must face. I tell you all all the time, when you're going through something, don't focus or don't worry about what you're going through. But because we know that God has a purpose, we ought to ask God, God, what are you trying to teach me about yourself? You see, this church we faced, we have faced some weeping this year (laughs) with sickness and with death. But we all have also experienced some joy together as we observe the Lord at work in our midst. Even though we haven't been able to gather at the church, I've still been hearing about testimonies of the great thing that God is doing. Well, let me help us for a few seconds. I haven't heard that none of us have have, have caught COVID-19. That's a blessing all by itself. God has provided for us. God has kept us. Those that have been sick, he's either healed us or he's in the healing business. St. Louis Church, I don't care what you say. We've experienced, my God, some great things that God has done for us. And you know when you experience the, the good things God do for you, you cannot help but say, bless the Lord, oh, my soul, and all that's within me. Bless his holy name. Somebody right where you're sitting, you ought to just say, bless the Lord, oh, my soul, and all that's within me. Pastor, you don't know what I'm going through right now. Well, bless the Lord, oh, my soul, and all that's within me. You don't know how broke I am. Well, bless God, because he's a supplier of all of your needs. Bless the Lord, oh, my soul, and all that's within me. Bless his holy name. Our families have experienced the changes that make us rejoice, but we've also experienced the changes that brought sorrow. But the important thing to remember is that God is with us. Oh, somebody, if you're taking notes, you ought to write, God is with me. I don't care what it feels like. (laughs) I don't care what the devil been trying to tell me. I want the devil and all of his angels to know that God is with me. You need to understand God's with us to bring to us good from all of our experiences. Let me put some Bible, Paul, right into the church at Rome. Romans 8, chapter, verse number 28. He says, and we know (laughs) that all things work together for the good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. And so we must understand that God is always working in our behalf to ultimately bring good to us in all that we experience. Can I help somebody? It may not be good, but I dare you to keep on loving God and see what God work it out for your good. We may not understand how he would do this, but we do understand that he has promised hey, that he's going to do it. Somebody ought to shout, I know God's going to do it. Come on, you got to put that thing out in the atmosphere that whatever it is, whatever you've been praying for, whatever your need may be, my God, God will, he will do it. Why? Because we know that he's omniscient. My God, in other words, he knows everything. God knows your uprising. God knows your downsetting. God knows how frail we are. God knows when we go out. God knows when we come back in. He's omniscient. And because we serve an omniscient God, that means that God's going to work it out for our good. God is, he's omnipotent. Oh, what a mighty God we serve. And therefore, guess what? He's able to fulfill every one of his promises. Don't worry about the seasons that's changing in your life. God's going to fulfill every promise. The Bible said his promises are yea and amen. One passage of scripture, he said, I swear by my own name. Oh, thank you, Jesus. And when he said that I swear by my own name, that means there's no other name. Oh, thank you, Jesus. 
And then that if God says it, we can believe it. Why? Because that settles it. And so, yes, my brothers and sisters, we have to understand that to everything, everything, there is a season. And not only what must we understand that to everything, there is a season, but we also, we know that God is sovereign as we experience life challenges and life changes. You got to know that you know, 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 that if don't nobody else know, you got to know that God is sovereign. God in his sovereignty. In other words, in his power, by his authority, allows for the willing decisions and choices of men while all the time he's retaining his control. Don't think that God's not in control. When you look at CNN, God's in control. Come on here. When you glance at Facebook, God is in control. It don't matter what the White House says. God is still in control. Somebody, I need to put this in your spirit. It don't matter what your employer just told you. I need you to understand that God, he's still in control. You might have went to the doctor and got a bad report, but you need to call that doctor back and say, thank you, doc, but I need you to understand something. The God that I serve, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, the God of my mother, and the God of my father. Oh, thank you, Jesus. He still He's in control. You see, the crucifixion, it serves as a very good example. God determined Christ would come and atone for sinners before the foundation of this world. When you read in 1 Peter, the first chapter, beginning at verse number 18, I want to talk to you. He says, for as much as ye know that ye were not redeemed with corruptible things, as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by traditions from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot, who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times just for you and me. You see, God used the decisions and choices of men to fulfill his promise to redeem sinners by the sacrifice of his own son. And therefore, no change that we face is a surprise to God. I need to understand what, what you're going through. God's not caught off guard. God's not surprised by what we go through. God, he knows our ending from our beginning. And then we also have to know, we have to know this truth. My God, we have to prepare and we must plan. I'm gonna say it again, we have to prepare once we know the truth and we must plan. Since change is inevitable, we by God's help should plan and prepare for it. I don't want y'all just sitting back comfortable talking about I'm waiting on God. You, you might be waiting a long time. Let me talk to y'all here today. I said you might be waiting a long time because while you're saying I'm waiting on God, God is saying I'm waiting on you. You all heard the saying that if you take the first step, God will take two. During this time of change, during this season of our lives, we got to learn how to plan and prepare for it. We trust in God to guide us into tomorrow. And so we should pray the prayer, amen, that when we pray, God lead me and you guide me. I want you to, to direct my every step. There's nothing wrong with you planning. Come on here, somebody. I know you want to get deep. You want to say the Bible says, Take no thought about tomorrow. Well, you're taking that text out of context. Nothing wrong with you planning, but can I please encourage you 
make sure you include God in all of your plans. I don't care what it is. Make sure you, hallelujah, include God in all of your plans, in all of thy ways. Do what? Acknowledge him, and he will do what? Direct your path. And so we need to know this truth, that during these changing seasons of our lives, we must prepare and we must plan. We must resist our reluctance to face inevitable change. Some folk just hate change. I'm just not going to change because Jesus never changed. He was the same yesterday. He's the same today. And he's the same forevermore. Well, I need you to know you're not Jesus. Oh, y'all, 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 y'all. We're going to have to make some changes. You can't do things like we used to do. We can't spend money. Oh, y'all don't want to hear this. We can't spend money like we used to spend money. Come on here. Why? Because there's a change that it's not coming. It's already here. And so we must not resist to face inevitable change. St. Luke Church, we've got to change the way we do church. <laughs> Actually, we don't have to do nothing. It's being done for us. Y'all, y'all, y'all. It's being done for us. Who would have ever thought? Who would have ever thought that we'd be on Zoom having church? Who would have ever thought we would have to go on Facebook or, or, or some other type of streaming in order to have church? Guess what? This is all about change. And because change is already on us, we better learn how to plan and prepare ourselves for the change. Because to a certain degree, we are creatures of habit. And y'all know we resist change. Why do we resist change? The reason is that unwanted change moves us out of our comfort zone. Yeah, but I believe God is saying something here. I believe God is saying some of y'all been in your comfort zone long enough. And God is saying as long as you've been in your comfort zone, you haven't been doing what I've commanded you to do. But God said, I'm going to pick some of y'all right up, right up out of your comfort zone. Don't be, don't be like Jeremiah and say, no, Lord, I'm not going to do it. Because you'll fool around and say, God, I'm not going to do it. And guess what God will do for you? He'll put fire and he'll cause it to be shut up in your bones. My prayer is God called the fire down into my soul. And so, yeah, let's not resist it. Sometimes we become reluctant to accept some of the changes that we must experience. We all have our settled daily routines, but I believe God's trying to pull us out of that. Somebody take your hand and pull yourself out. Come on, pull yourself out by faith. Some of y'all, you tired of your daily routine. Some of y'all are frustrated because it's the same old, same old each and every day. But God is getting, God is telling us my God, that you got to adjust to this change of what I'm about to do in your life. Because one thing I do know is that God uses change to promote our growth and his glory. I'm going to say it again. God uses change to promote our growth and his glory. You see, change will cause us to reevaluate our lives and make adjustments. I'm wondering, has anybody had to make some adjustments lately? We've all had to make some adjustments. We got to reevaluate our lives. Why? Because change can move us to look at ourselves differently and see our lives from a new perspective so that we can change for the better. During this time, I trust and pray that you have taken the time to look inwardly. We always look outwardly. We always point our finger at everybody else. Ain't it amazing? We know how everybody else ought to change. It's everybody else's fault. But I think God is calling for us during this time to take a look at our own lives because he's trying to promote growth for his glory. In other words, he says, uh, I don't want you to try to get any glory out of it. 
Hey, but everything I'm getting ready to do in your life, somebody, you better catch this out of the atmosphere. He said, everything that I'm getting ready to do in your life, I'm doing it for my honor. I'm doing it for my glory. I'm doing so that I get the praise. And that means that everything that we do, every place that we go, we ought to keep God in mind. And we must ask God, how can you get the glory out of this conversation? Think of the change that the disciples faced when Jesus was crucified. They were reluctant for this change to occur. They did not even believe him or understand that when he spoke of his need to face death for them, the disciples desired that Jesus established his kingdom in a physical sense and relieve them from the bondage of Roman rule. But yet after Jesus left them, they realized their true mission and were motivated to be used to build Christ's kingdom as God intended by preaching the gospel and performing the good works of Christ uh, for his sake. You got to change your perspective. Maybe God is saying to all of us, hallelujah, I'm ready to take you higher. Maybe God is saying I'm ready to take you deeper. God is saying I'm ready to use you in my service. One of my songs is, Lord, use me, Lord, in thy service. Draw me near each and every day. Why? Because I'm willing, God, to go all the way. I'm just wondering, do God have any willing people out there today that would say, God, help me to adjust. Hallelujah. Help me to get out of my comfort zone. Help me to stop depending upon my knowledge. Help me to stop depending on people that I think can help me get to where you're trying to take me to and help me to totally trust in you, lean and depend upon you every step of the way. You need to know that change will cause us. It'll cause us to seek God's guidance. I don't know about you. My God, these last couple of months, I've sought the guidance of God like never before because sometimes I don't know what to do. When you listen to all of the noise that's out there, you listen to all of the recommendations that's out there. Sometimes you can become a little confused. And sometimes I just have to stop and say, God, I need your guidance. I need you to order my steps. Somebody, somebody, I don't know who I'm talking to, but you just need to stop right where you are. And you just need to tell God, God, I need you to order my steps. God, I need you to lead me right now. God, I need you to direct me. Before you make that final decision, you make sure you ask for God's guidance. Because how many of y'all know that he'll lead you? Oh, folk, you should say he's a mighty good leader. You ought to let him lead you. Watch this. They used to say from earth to glory. But the Lord knows we got to live in between earth and glory. And I want you to know that God will guide you every step of the way. When we are faced with change that we cannot control, we are motivated to seek God more fully. The wisdom writer teaches in Proverbs that we got to acknowledge God in all of our ways. We become more willing to do this when we sense our inability. Oh, some of us need to pray, God, help me to sense my inability. Let me know that I'm not you, that I can't do everything. Let me know I need help. Come on, somebody. How many of y'all know he's a very present help? God will help you. Huh? It'll cause us to know that without him, we could do nothing. And without him, we would fail. I want God to know right now, God, without you, I know I'm absolutely nothing. God, without you, I'm a failure. God, I recognize you are my refuge and my strength. You are my very present help in the time of trouble. God, you are my way maker. God, and I say thank you. Your change will cause us. It'll cause us to seek God's guidance. Not only will it cause us to seek God's guidance, but change will cause us to depend totally upon God. I must say it again. It'll cause us to depend totally on God. Huh? When we do this, we will begin to understand 
that the changes we face now will ultimately bring good as we are molded into the image of Christ. You all need to understand, hallelujah. You need to understand why we're going through all this. It's not that we come out richer. It's not that we come out with a better position on our job. But God is trying to mold all of us into the image of his darling son, Jesus Christ. That's the ultimate goal here. I'm gonna, let me say it again. That's the ultimate goal. That God, when we come out of this, I'm praying that I'm coming out closer to God. I, I, I hope that my life shows, amen, more of Jesus Christ. That's the ultimate good that's going to come out of our lives, is that we are molded into the image of Christ. And so God uses change to change us. I'm going to say it again. God uses change to change us. Well, David, help me preach for a moment, and then I'm going to let y'all go. David said it was good. Watch this. He said it was good for me that I was afflicted, that I might learn, that I might learn your statutes. In other words, that I might learn your demands, that I might learn your decrees. Huh? My suffering was good for, for it taught me to pay attention. That's what he was saying. He was saying, had I not never been afflicted, then I, maybe I wouldn't have never learned your statutes. Sometimes God's got to afflict us so that we can learn his uh, statutes. And so David said it was good. Now, you know, while he was going through and while he was afflicted, it wasn't good to him. But then when the Lord brought him out of it, he understood that it was good for him. And I got a word for somebody. What you're going through right now, it may not be good to you, but I dare you to hold on. Somebody ought to shout, hold on, hold on, hold on. I dare you to hold on. Somebody, you woke up this morning, and you felt like throwing in the towel. Yeah, but I want you to grab hold of that towel now, and I want you to grip it even tighter, because if I can just hold out until tomorrow, then I know everything is going to be all right. It's not good to you, but I need you to know it's good for you. Some of that medicine mother used to make us take, it was nasty. We put it in our mouths, and sometimes we hold it in there. And then she got hip to the fact that we would go to the bathroom and spit it out. And so when she got hip to that fact, what did, what did she do? She made us swallow it when she gave it to us. And then she didn't say, did you swallow it? She would say, open up your mouth because she wanted to make sure that you swallowed it. It wasn't good to us, but I need you to know it was good for us. And so what you are going through right now, it may not be good to you, hey, but it's good for you. And then you'll say, like the psalmist said, it was good for me that I was afflicted. Well, Job said, pastor, can I preach? Job said, let me have a little bit of this. Job said it well when he was facing his difficult changes. And he said, when I am tried, oh, thank you, Jesus. He said, I shall come forth. Why? Because the Lord knows the way that I take. And I need somebody to know God knows the way that you take. God knows the road that you're traveling. And Job says, Job says, when he's tried me, he said, I'm coming out of this thing. And Job said, when I come out of this thing, he said, guess what, y'all? I'm not coming out the same way that I went in. Job said, I might have went in crying, but I'm coming out laughing. He said, I might have went in broke, but I'm coming out with a pocket full of money. I might have I went in depressed and discouraged. But when I come out of this thing, the joy of the Lord is going to be my strength. Somebody ought to shout, I'm coming out of this thing. I'm not trying to hype you or and make you go through some type of emotional attack. But by faith, you got to understand that, that this too shall pass. And you ought to be able to say as Job said, he says, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. And all the days of my appointed time, he said, I'm going to sit right here and I'm going to wait until my change come. And I'm wondering, is there anybody listening to me today? Hallelujah. Is there anybody that will say, 
that though he slay me, even though I must go through what I'm going through, hey, I'm still going to trust in God. I trust in God wherever I may be, on the mountaintop or out on the raging sea. Though billows roll, he keeps my soul. My heavenly father watches over me. And so can I encourage your heart? Keep on trusting God. Keep on believing God. And then Peter said in 1 Peter chapter 4, Peter said, Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which has come to try you, as though some strange thing happened unto you. Hey, but he says, rejoice. Hallelujah. Somebody, you ought to write on your paper all over your notes. Just put rejoice. Just put rejoice. I mean, put rejoice. Ah, this is rejoicing time. This ain't time that we ought to be depressed and crying uh, and all mixed up and confused. Uh, uh, we ought to be rejoicing. Pastor, why? Why should I be rejoicing? You don't know really what I'm going through. But, but Peter said rejoice in uh, as much as ye are partakers of Christ's suffering, that when his glory shall be revealed, ye may be glad also with exceeding joy. Can I tell y'all something? God is getting ready to reveal his glory. I'm going to say it again. God's getting ready to reveal his glory. And then David said, who is this king of glory? Well, I'm going to tell you who he is. The Lord strong and mighty the Lord mighty in battle. Then he tell us to do something. Lift up your heads, O ye gates. Those of you that have been walking around with your head hung down, you've been singing the blues and, and, and you've been sad. I dare you to lift up your heads, O ye gates, and even lift them up the everlasting doors. And the King of glory shall come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord strong and mighty. The Lord mighty in battle. Lift up your head. And the king of glory shall come in. Who is this king of glory? The Lord of hosts. He is the king of glory. Well, let me close with this. We must adjust. We must adjust our attitude in order to face change humbly. Uh, somebody say, Pastor, leave it alone. Leave it alone. My answer is no, 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 no. We must adjust. We've got to adjust our attitude in order to face change humbly. Paul adjusted to change in his life with an attitude of humility. Notice what he said when he was talking to the church at Philippi. Philippians, the fourth chapter, verse beginning at verse number 11. Paul says, not that I speak in respect of want, but he said, for I have learned. I'm wondering, have anybody learned yet? <laughs> I wonder, have you learned that in the midst of what you're going through, that God is able to make a way out of no way? I'm wondering, have anybody learned <clears throat> that when you're sick, he's a healer, that he's a way maker? Have anybody learned that he can, he can regulate your mind? He can give you a new mind. You can be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Have anybody learned that God can put broken relationships back together? Have anybody learned that the doctor don't have the final say? The banker don't have the final say. Your attorney don't have the final say. But God has the final say. Have anybody learned? Brother Paul says, I've learned something. <clears throat> well, Paul, what did you learn? Well, I said, I've learned in whatsoever state I am, there would be content in your adjusting. Can I help somebody? Learn to be attent. My God, learn to be content. This ain't the time for wanting more. Uh-oh, did the pastor say it? I'm going to preach here. You ain't going to shout and click your heels, but you sure going to learn something here today. This is not the time, my God, to be wanting more stuff. But you got to learn how to be content with what God has provided for you. And when you learn to be content with what God has already provided, guess what? Nobody got to pump and prime you to tell God, thank you. I might want something better.
But God, I thank you for what you have provided. And I'm going to thank you right where I am. I'm going to praise you right where I am. Because God noticed something. Ah, my God, I'm not trying to think for God. But I can only imagine that when God see you thanking him and praising you right where you are, my God, I, I can't help but to see God saying, if that sister or if that brother praised me like that, my God, just imagine what they're going to do when I do bring them out, when I do open up that door, when I do grant their heart's desire that they've been praying for. He says, I, I've learned how to be content because here's the reason why he had to learn that lesson. Paul said, I know both how to be abased. I know how to abound everywhere and in all things. He said, I am instructed both to be full. In other words, he said, I know what it means to be full, but I also know what it means to be hungry. I know what it means to be able to go to Ruth Chris, but at the same time, I know what it is to have to eat leftovers. I, I, I know what it means to be sick, but I also know what it means to be well. I know what it means to feel lonely. When I was shipwrecked and I was viper storm, I got a close here. My God, when I was out there all by myself, I thought I was by myself, but then I had to make a confession that the Lord was with me. I think somebody, you need to make a confession here today that the Lord's been with you. He walks with me. He talks with me. He tells me that I am his own. He rocks me in the cradle of his love. And how do y'all know, can't nobody hold you like the Lord can hold you. Can't nobody rock you like the Lord can rock you. Can't nobody soothe all your doubts and calm every last one of your fears like the Lord can. And so Paul says, I know what it means to be full. I know what it means to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. In other words, I know what it means to have plenty, and I know what it means to have people and, and able to pay Paul. But then one thing he had to declare, that in the midst of it all, I'm closing the book now, in the midst of it all, he declared this one fact, that I can do all things through Christ. Somebody ought to shout, through Christ, that strengtheneth me. Can I encourage you, go in the strength of God. My God, whatever season you are facing in your life right now, I don't know what your season may be. What is the season that you're facing in your family? What's the season that you're facing on your job? Trust Christ right now. Put your trust in his word. His word will guide you as you face your changes. Hey, thy word is a lamp. Until my feet is a light. Until my pathway. So God, as we adjust, as we adjust to the changes of the seasons of our life, we want you to know that we put our trust in you. And we can't help but to declare all that I am, all that I am not, all that I ever hope to be, I'm yours, Lord. <laughs> Somebody ought to declare, I'm yours, Lord. Throw them hands up in there and say, I'm yours, Lord. And guess what? By you confessing that you belong to God, it becomes God's responsibility to take care of you. What you worrying about? Deacon Taylor used to have a song, if the Lord is taking care of you, what you got to worry about? My God, I need to somebody know God is taking care of us. My God, David said I once was young, but now I'm old and never have I seen the righteous forsaken nor his seed begging for bread. And so as we adjust to the changing seasons of our lives, just remember this, it's a time for everything. You need to seek God's face. You need to seek God's face. You need to ask God, God, while the seasons of my life is changing, what would you have me to do? God, what would you have me to do? Some of y'all been working on some stuff for 20, 30 years and it still ain't worked. And you know why it haven't worked? Because that's what you wanted to do. 
I'm going to say it again. That's what you wanted to do. That's the reason why you start five projects and don't finish none of them, because that's what you wanted to do. But why don't you ask God, God, what is it that you want me to do? Says Isaiah, hear my God, send me. Now, when we say God send me, that'll mean you got to call the pastor and ask for a prophetess license and apostleship. Come on here. That don't mean that, brothers and sisters. You can do what God needs you to do without a license. Uh, Sometimes they might get me for this, but sometimes I think you do better without one because you're able to give vent to God and say, God, have your way in my life. God, direct my path, order my steps, whatever you would have me to do. God, help me to adjust. Help me to adjust. Some of y'all need to adjust your schedule. Come on here, somebody. I'm finished. Some of y'all need to adjust your schedule. You need to adjust how you spend. Come on, somebody. You need to adjust how much you eat. I should have said we need to adjust how much we eat. These are seasons in our lives. These are seasons. But we have to learn how to adjust to change. Change has now come upon us, brothers and sisters. We're living. Things will never be the same. This is the new norm. So you might as well get ready. Get ready and ask God to help you adjust to the changing seasons in your life. Only God can help you. Let me say it again. Only God can help you. Pastor can only make suggestions. Sometimes they might be right. Sometimes they may be wrong. Why don't you go to the one that made you? Why don't you go to the one that knows all about you? Why don't you go to the one that knows your ending from your beginning, that when we're working this way, trying to adjust, God says, you're coming this way. I'm coming this way. How long, God is saying to us, is it going to take us to meet? It's about you adjusting to the changing seasons of your life. Every eye close, every head bow, right where you're at, right where you are. There's a time and a season for everything. And if you're not careful, you can miss your season. I'm going to say it again. If you're not careful, you can miss your season. It's one thing to know when to sow, but sowing does you absolutely no good if you miss the season of the harvest. I don't care how much seed you sow. If you miss the harvest season, you sowing seeds mean absolutely nothing. And God is saying the same thing to us. Many of you all have sown in tears. God says that when you sow in tears, you'll reap in joy. I'm afraid that some of you have sown in tears, but perhaps you may have missed your season of joy because you choose to keep on crying. Help me here, Holy Ghost. You choose to keep on crying. You miss your harvest. But here's the good news. God is a God of a second chance. And you ought to pray, God, please let me know. Let me know have I missed my harvest season. God, help me know what season I've missed. Please give me another chance because we reap whatever we sow. Now, God, I thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your kindness. Thank you, God, for your tender mercies. Thank you for your word. God, I shared with your people what you've placed on my heart to share. And you have declared that your word will not go forth void, but it will accomplish what you set out for it to accomplish. God, I pray during this season of change, this season of change, help us to focus on the truth of your word. 
Let us not listen to all of the noise that's around us, but help us to focus on the truth of your word. Help us to realize that the seasons of life, that they do bring change and purpose to all of us. Why? Because God, you are in full control. And God, we know you want the best for all of us. Ah, help us, God. Help us to know when we are to plant, when we are to harvest, when we are to break down, when we are to build up, when we are to weep, when we are to laugh. Help us to realize that uh, there's a time of mourning, but then there's also a time of dancing. Help us to recognize the seasons in the name of Jesus. God, give us strength. Give us courage. Give us Holy Ghost boldness during this time. Let us fear no man's faces. But God, lead us and guide us. Direct us in the way that you would have us to go. Give us a more hunger and desire and a thirst for your truth, which is your word. In the name of Jesus. God, those that know sickness, I pray now that during this season of their life, that God, you would manifest yourself in whatever way you see fit to manifest yourself. God, we know what we want, but God, we want you to manifest yourself in the way that you see fit to manifest yourself because we know that you have a purpose for all of our lives. Thank you because you've been the supplier of all our needs and we praise you and we thank you. God, I pray for the one that don't know your darling son, Jesus Christ, as their personal savior. I pray that you draw them before it's too late. They cannot come unless you draw them. Draw them, God, before it's too late. Save them by your power divine. Arrest them now ah, in the name of Jesus. And we thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. And let the people of God say amen and amen. Let's adjust. Let's adjust to the changing seasons of our lives.